you have your Bibles this morning, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 1, says this. Paul says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? Our response to Him. He has made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That means you cannot grow any more righteous than you are right now. You can grow in your knowledge of it, but you can't grow any more righteous. What should you do with that? Those mercies that He has lavished upon you. What is your response to that, He says? To surrender yourselves to God, to be His sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing All that delights in his heart for this, what we just said, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Think about last week. You are a spirit being that has a body and a soul. What part did he say crucify? The spirit? Mm -mm. More proof that you are not a body that has a spirit and a soul. You are a spirit that has a body and a soul. That's why he wants you to crucify it. Okay. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly, that spirit man, transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Think about last week. All the ways that we think are mostly about this body and not about the spirit, right? This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Now listen to verse 3. God has given me grace, Paul, to speak a warning about pride. Mm. Now, when you start preaching a message like this about righteousness, that you can't get any more righteous, there are some religious people that are going to start to say, Oh, he's just prideful. He walking in pride. He thinks he's better than everybody. And Paul's warning about pride. Very next verse. He's warning about pride. But I want you to see where he puts his focus on the pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion... That means you can do it on your own. That means you can earn it. That means I can try to do what's right. Self-promotion and not create, listen to this, a false image of your importance. Talking about the body again. Instead, listen to this, honestly assess your worth. How much is your worth? It was worth enough that Jesus died for it. Honestly assess your worth. Now does that sound like snow-covered dung? That the ancient, not really ancient, about in the 1800s, 1700s, that's what we were called, snow-covered dung. Does that sound like that? Honestly assess your worth, dung? No. But that's what we were taught. Honestly assess your worth. I mean, you're just a poor, pitiful sinner saved by grace? For a nanosecond. <laughs> For a nanosecond you were. But then you were totally transformed. Right? Honestly assess your worth by using what? Your God-given, what's that word? Faith. Faith. It doesn't take much faith to believe I'm a poor, pitiful sinner saved by grace. It does not take much faith for me to just say I'm snow-covered dumb. It does not take faith at all, right? Because I can look around and say, look at all the failures. So that's what I am. They don't take faith. Faith says go in and look at your God-given faith, the standard of measurement. Using your God-given faith as your standard of measurement. You want to know your worth? Look at that. And then, and then, when you do that, by faith, believing what he says about you. Remember two weeks ago, we looked at the word yielding. And yielding just simply means coming into alignment with what God says about himself and what God says about you. When we do that and use that as our standard of measurement and have faith to believe that, because we can read it on paper, but it's a difference in believing it. 
standard of measure, then you will see your true value when with an appropriate self-esteem. That's how we should walk, right? I posted this week on our GroupMe page. Um, we read, um, some of us read a book uh, about a year or so ago by Rick Joyner. Um, it's kind of a three-part book. It, um, it talks about some of the things he saw for the future um, and things of that nature. It's a really good book. Um, but one of the things he said in it is I want you to think about, especially from last week's message, when we think about we are a spirit being that has a body and a soul. And everything that we usually do, even in church, usually has to do with that body, right? And he says, as we proceed toward the conclusion of this age, the conflict between light and darkness will become increasingly supernatural. Now listen to how he finishes his statement. The day when it was possible to take a neutral stance toward the supernatural is over. Is over. That means we can't play church. Right? You can, but you're going to get destroyed. I could tell you what's coming down the pipe. If you're not ready, if you don't know who you are, you won't have the authority. You will be defeated. Just because you put Christian on your name tag doesn't mean anything. You don't know how to operate in the supernatural. New Testament says godliness without power, right? They've got a form of godliness, meaning they kind of meet together, got some church activities, got a good civil organization going on where we're building our, building our children's ministry, building our, our, our ministries this way and this way and this way, and we meet and we meet and we meet and we eat and we eat and we eat and we don't know a thing about the supernatural. And it's going to be bad. You don't believe that it's coming that way? Listen to these stats that I, I looked up. The occult in 1990, in America alone, 8,000 claimed to be practicing Wicca. 8,000 in 1990. In 2014, how many did I say in 1990? 8,000. 2014. 1.5 million claim to be practicing Wicca in the U.S. Think it's growing? 1.5 million is more, pres- more than the Presbyterians in America, by the way. There's only 1.4 claiming to be Presbyterian. You think Rick Joyner was on to something? That's just ones that practice Wicca, not the ones that claim to be Satanists. Looked up that stat too. Estimated today, 12 million, not 1.5, 12 million claim to be Satanists in the U.S. You want to know why they want to practice Wicca? Because the church can't give them the answers they're looking for. Because you're born knowing there's a supernatural higher power. And the church has ignored it and called all supernatural evil. Therefore, the evil keeps rising because we're too afraid of it. We just want to be good moral people. And good moral people are about to get destroyed because of a lack of knowledge, the Bible says. Your spirit being has a body and a soul. Soul is your mind, will, your emotions. Even kids get that. Let me just give you this example. So, was that right before Christmas? I guess it was. One of my dad's sisters passed away. We drove to Mississippi. We're at the wake. And everybody's going up to the casket, you know, view the body. And Armani's like, why is everybody looking at her? She's three, right? She's got questions. What's everybody doing? Like, why why is that lady laying down asleep? And why are they looking at her, right? And I explained, well, she's not really there. I said, her spirit's going on. I said, so she's not really there. Her spirit's in heaven, but her body still stayed behind. Um, and so she, you could tell she didn't answer. She's just looking at me. I go on. I think that's a good enough. You know, she's probably good with that and won't ask any more questions, and I'll be good. We get over there. We're sitting down. I'm talking to some family. 
She's sitting in my lap. All of a sudden, she grabs my cheek and pulls it to her, like, look at me. Um, if she's not really in there, then why are they talking to her? And I sit there for a minute. And I said, you know what? That's a good point. They're crazy. I said. <laughs> But it didn't make sense to her, right? And we do so much like that that we just used to it and we don't really think about what we're even doing. And a child has to remind you, do you really believe it? Then if you really believed it, all your actions would say it, right? If you really believed you were a spirit being, then all your actions would say you believe you're a spirit being who is 100% brand new in Christ, one with him. Right? You would believe that. So let's review a couple of passages that we used to say all the time. I just want to take you back to those just for review purposes. Hebrews chapter 5. I'm going to go through them real quick. You can probably quote these, some of you, because I've said them so many times. But Hebrews chapter 5, again in the Passion Version, verse 13. Paul says, most people believe it's Paul. Um, some don't. But Hebrews For every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of what? Righteousness. Not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. If you want to grow to maturity, you want to grow from glory to glory, from experience to experience, it comes from the revelation of righteousness. Meaning you can't deviate from that. Whenever you begin to be stagnant, you've quit focusing on righteousness. Or you started focusing on your flesh of righteousness. Did you hear me? When you become stagnant, instead of growing, because it says you should be growing, what? From glory to glory to glory to glory, not plateau to plateau to plateau. If we come into a place of plateau and we forgot the message, which is righteousness. Coming into that place of understanding. Look at Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Verse 6. Even King David himself speaks us regarding the complete wholeness. How much wholeness? Complete. Complete. That comes inside a person when God's powerful declaration of what? Righteousness is heard over our life. What's going to happen whenever you receive that declaration of righteousness? What's going to happen to you? Complete what? Wholeness. Look at the next chapter. Chapter 5, verse 18. Again, these are just review. Verse 18. In other words, just as condemnation came upon all people through one transgression, meaning Adam, so through one righteous act of Jesus' sacrifice, the perfect what? Righteousness, which is yours now, that makes us right with God and leads us to a victorious life now available to all. You want to have a victorious life? You want to walk in victory? Where does it begin? (coughs) Revelation of Righteousness, the revelation of righteousness. Now, go back to Hebrews again, and let's just start in chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, beginning with verse uh, 8. Hebrews 1, verse 8. But about his son, Jesus, he called... About his son, he called him God, saying, Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever, and you will rule your kingdom with justice and what? Righteousness. For you have cherished what? Righteousness and detested lawlessness. For this reason, God your God has anointed you and poured out the oil of what? Bliss on you more than on any of your friends. He loved righteousness more than anybody. It's now your righteousness. And because he loved righteousness more than anybody, what did God anoint him with? The oil of bliss. That oil of bliss does not look like this. Which is what some of our brothers and sisters are doing right now inside of our church service. That's right. That's one of the first things you got to do, Tater said. Die to yourself. 
He loved righteousness. Whose righteousness? God's righteousness. You have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Have become that. You don't just have it like it's in your pocket. You don't get to pull it out when you need it. You have become it. You are the righteousness of God. You can't get any more righteous. And whenever we fall in love with that, and when we begin to get that revelation of that, it never stops. Like it's revelation upon revelation upon revelation upon revelation of that. Just follow Paul's teachings. He will show you that it is a revelation upon revelation upon revelation of righteousness. That's where you have to get it from. That's where it starts. And whenever you get that, it has to take you in the right direction. We're not talking about a revelation of righteousness that leads to sin. Where you just say, well, since I'm righteous, I just can do whatever I want to. And you didn't get the real revelation. And you get the real revelation of righteousness, you realize that His grace enables you to do what He's commanded you to do from the whole time. And it's no longer a striving anymore. It's coming from who you are. It's not the do attitudes. It's the be attitudes. It's who you be. Right? So, some of, you, some of your versions and even the footnotes of Dr. Simmons here in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8, he says that it is a scepter of righteousness, that he will rule and he will reign this earth with a scepter of righteousness. So I want you to think about a king and I want you to think about the scepter. And everything that that scepter represents is everything that culture, everything that's supposed to come into alignment with that king's kingdom is represented in the scepter, right? So whenever a knight it's saying, go out and do what I've commanded you to do by the king. A knight would come before the king and he would kneel before the king. And the, the king would take out the royal scepter and he would what? He would knight him. Right? Meaning, as he put that on each one of his shoulders, he was representing everything that is of me, the king. You represent me. Everything that is about me, the culture, everything that is about me is represented in you. I dub you. Boom, boom. Right? Then once he does that, then what did he say? Rise up. Go. Right? He's ruling with what? What is Jesus ruling with? What's this scepter look like? Righteousness. That means to have that victorious life, as he said in Romans chapter 5. Have that victorious life. It comes from understanding you are the righteousness of God. Right? Same thing if you want to put it in your notes. We're not going to go there, but it says the same thing in Psalms 45. Romans chapter 1, go with me there. Romans chapter 1. Verse 16. I refuse to be ashamed of the wonderful message of God's liberating power. This is the stuff that Paul got beat up about. You understand? And not beat up by the worldlings. Got beat up by who? Religious. What message? This message that we're preaching this morning of the liberating power of righteousness. I refuse to be ashamed of this wonderful message. I can tell you right now, you go outside of these doors and you start preaching to some of your friends that go to wherever. <laughs> Take your pick. One, they're going to look at you, as Tater says, like you got two heads. <laughs> and then they're going to start to talk about you. And then something deep down in you is going to say, Well, I'm ashamed of this. I don't think I won't say anymore because I'm getting ridiculed. People look at me weird. Paul says, I refuse to be ashamed of the wonderful message of God's liberating power unleashed in us through Christ. The what? Power. You see, we get this sometimes about righteousness and we're like, oh yeah, he made me righteous. And we pull it out, like we pull out a card to say, all right, here's my trump card. I'm playing rook and here's my trump card because I got the red one because I messed up today. So I need my red one. It's going to cover everything. Right? But that is not Righteousness. Righteousness, the real righteousness, will lead you to walk in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It'll lead you, as Paul says, to go to the throne of grace with confidence and boldness to receive whatever you ask for. 
Because you know who you are. There's no doubt in your mind about it. You have crucified your flesh. It's no longer you who live, but it's Christ who lives in you. And you have no doubt about it. No matter what somebody says about you, no matter how you messed up today, you still believe. It is that faith access point that we just read earlier. That whenever in Romans chapter 1, I mean Romans chapter 12 verse 3. It is by faith that you're going to receive that. It is by faith that you're going to access it. It is by faith that you're going to walk in it. Believing what he says about you is true. Right? So he goes on to say, I refuse to, to be ashamed of this because it's the liberating power unleashed in us through Christ. For I am thrilled to preach that everyone who believes is saved. The Jew first and then people where? Everywhere. All right. This gospel unveils a continual revelation of God's what? This gospel does what? A continual revelation. Not just one time. Now, I heard the message. Now, let's move on to something else. This is your starting point that everything is your foundation here. This is where the house is built on. And everything is built from that. And it is going upward from glory to glory. It's a continuous unveiling, a continuous revelation of God's righteousness. Listen to this. A perfect righteousness given to us when we do what? Believe. And it moves us from receiving life through faith to the power of living by faith. It goes back to that same passage that Paul just read to us in Romans. Um, I mean in Hebrews. This is what the scripture means when it says we are right with God through life-giving faith. This is us. This is who we are. And we have to get that on the deep, on the inside, and live by faith. And we're not walking in the supernatural power, then we haven't yet been pierced by the revelation of righteousness. Remember the verse we read in Hebrews 5.13 about growing in maturity? If you keep reading that passage, what are some of the things? Anybody remember that it says that you should be grown past by now? What did you say, Dustin? Raising the dead, healing the sick. What? Everybody, we're doing that. When the last time you raised the dead? That's some power. <laughs> See how we're still not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. Look at First Timothy chapter six. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. Timothy, you are God's man. <laughs> so run from all these errors. Instead, chase after true holiness, justice, faithfulness, love, hope, and tender humility. Now listen to this fight. It's not a fight against flesh and blood, and it is not a fight against you trying not to sin. So fight with faith. For the winner's prize, lay your hands upon eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession before the multitude of witnesses. Fight what? Believing what he says about you. You want to know the fight of the good faith? The good fight of faith is constantly believing what he said about you. Constantly believing that it's true. That's your fight. That whenever you mess up today, you're going to go into that room and you're going to say, thank you, Jesus, that I am saved by you, that I am healed by you, that your blood covers me and it is speaking a better word. Even though I, my flesh messed up today, I know your blood is speaking a better word and that I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And I thank you that by your stripes I'm healed. I thank you that all these things are coming to alignment right now. Like I'm just constantly confessing what the word says about me. That's the good fight of faith. From glory to glory to glory. Because there's going to be some days that you're not going to feel like it. Because the world's going to beat you down and you're not going to feel like it. And it takes fight in you to rise up and still declare what he is saying over you today. That's the fight of faith. Verse 13, so now I instruct you before God of the resurrection life. You walk like you're in resurrection life? 
before Jesus, the anointed one, who demonstrated a beautiful testimony even before Pontius Pilate, that you follow this commission faithfully with a clear conscience. With a what kind of conscience? Most of my childhood was going to church to try to remember all you did bad during the week so you can confess it and cry. And then maybe you feel sorry enough you won't do it in you. Beat yourself up. Right? Brendan Manning talked about that one time. Brendan Manning was a priest. And he said they would go in there and he said he would just, they would beat themselves at nighttime and they'd just be hollering, just beating themselves, beating themselves, beating themselves, slapping themselves and hollering to just show the suffering of trying to. They had a bad thought that day, so now they got to beat themselves so many times that day. And he said he remembered one of his uh, priest brothers was in the next room and he said, that dude was crying. He said, oh, so bad we thought he was going to die. He said, I rolled up in there, check on him, see how he was. He said, he's sitting in the back, rocking in the chair, smoking a cigarette, and just slapping the table and hollering. <laughs> and that's what we do. We play church so long, there's no change. We know all the games to play, know all the right things to do. To act like we fit in society or our church group. And he's calling us to something that is so bigger and higher with a clear conscience, he said. Wouldn't you like to live every day with a clear conscience? That's what you were intended for from the very beginning. A clear conscience. You can't live a clear conscience if you're constantly focused on the body and constantly focused on your faults. That's that purple dinosaur. But when you focus on him and his true holiness... That's what's going to shine through in you. It takes faith to believe it. Remember that scripture that we read a few weeks back? Revelation chapter 19. The bride made herself what? Ready. That's how she makes herself ready. That's the good fight of faith. Making herself ready. We are the ecclesia, Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 16, he says we're the ecclesia. Right? And then from this point on, ain't no power of hell that can stop it. The ecclesia, the bride, the governmental force on this earth that's supposed to be carrying it. But now Satan is outnumbered Presbyterians. Form of godliness without power. We've got to be awakened to truth, awakened to what he's trying to show us, what he's trying to tell us. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 is the Beatitudes, remember? It's who you be, not who you do. It's the Beatitudes. In Matthew chapter 5, 6, what does that say? Who remembers? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. And what's going to happen to those people? They're going to be what? Filled. Filled, overflowing. Those who do what? Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Whose righteousness? God's righteousness. You're going to be filled. Filled with Him. Right? Now, notice what it says if you have your Bible open there. Notice what it says four verses later in, in verse 10. What's going to happen to those people who hunger and thirst after righteousness in their field? Then what's going to happen to those people? And they will be rejected for righteousness' sake. Dr. Simmons reminds you that the rejection usually comes in the church culture. Just as it did with Jesus and the disciples. Because the world doesn't care. When you start preaching that and you start living from that and believing that you really are who he says that you really are and you start to get filled and you start walking in power, there's going to be rejection. One, because people just don't understand it and they don't want to understand it. They don't want nothing to do with the supernatural. Hence why the rise that we see. They just want to live their life, their quiet little life. Leave me alone and I'll call you when something bad happens. Those people 
a lot of times who we know have even said stuff about us, even to our face, have called us when they're in need. You know why? Because we're the only people they know who believes this. (laughs) Who's actually going to fight for them. I don't hesitate a bit to call this man right here when something's going on in my life. And there's plenty that goes on in my life about a hundred times a week. (laughs) You know why? Because I know he's going to go to war with me. And I told you that before. I ain't wasting my time calling somebody that I know is going to say, all right, well, we'll put you on the prayer list and talk about you all week long. I don't got time for that. The enemy's advancing and I need somebody to fight. I need somebody who knows how to fight, who's been in the trenches, who believes what this says. Matthew 6, in the next chapter, verse 33. Seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then what? What's going to happen? All these things. He's been talking about the ways of life. He's been talking about everything that you need in life. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of his own, right? Don't worry about those things. Why? Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, which means you're getting it from him. You're not focused on what you did wrong. If you're constantly focused on what you did wrong and what you did right, you're still eating one from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. You're not eating from the tree of life that's given you life and it's given you source and it's given you substance. You're not doing that anymore. Now all of a sudden you're focused on the wrong tree. Whenever you eat from the wrong tree, it equals death. And he says, when you're focusing on those things, my kingdom, and you're focused on my righteousness, which I have given you, everything else is just going to come together. Everything else is just going to come together. All things. All things. Now go with me to Romans chapter 8. Now, this is the good stuff right here. Mm-hmm. Now, let's just start in verse 1. So now, the case is close. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus. No longer the condemning voice. That clear conscience he was talking about earlier is because you believe there's no longer a condemning voice. There's no longer an accusing voice. Why? Because the accuser of the brethren, which is the enemy, which is Satan, has been defeated past tense. The only power he's given is the power you give him by believing the lie. Right? So when there's no longer an accusing voice, then you, you can't be stopped. You're joined with life union with Jesus, the anointed one, for the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. It's liberated you from it all. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Again, focusing on the body. A lot of times we'll read these passages. We'll read these scriptures. We'll we'll know that the Bible says that we are the righteous of God, Jesus Christ. Yeah, brother, but you just don't know but this and but that. And you can't tell people that all the time because they're still going to mess up. That means you haven't believed it yet. That means only that you read it and you have a head knowledge about it, but it hasn't gotten here yet. That's all that means. That means you're just like the people in, the, in, the, um, in Jesus' day. They knew the word frontwards and backwards. In fact, they knew the whole Old Testament word for word, frontwards and backwards. They could quote it without even opening up a scroll. And Jesus says, you don't know me. You don't even know me. It means you can read those pages. You can read those words. You can memorize those words in this book and still not know him. It's got to get in your knower. And here's your knower, right? Yes, God sent us His Son in human form to identify with human weakness closed with humanity. God's Son gave His body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. So guilt and the power that sin has over you has been done with. But why am I still dealing with it? Because you still believe the liar. That's it. That's the only reason why. Quit making it complicated. 
And quit trying to say that's just you. Quit trying to say, well, that's just us. That's making excuses for the Word of God already says what it is. So you either believe the Word or you don't believe the Word. It just comes down to that. We try to make it so complicated and we try to argue ourselves out of it, but that is all the enemy is trying to get you to do. He wants you to believe the lie. That's what he did from the very beginning. He told them the truth and it was very simple. It wasn't long. It wasn't complicated in the garden. It was just this simple little thing. And then all of a sudden, he twists one or two little words and says, Yeah, but... And they believe the enemy, which empowers the lie. It's the same thing with us. It's simple, but we try to make it so complicated. You either believe it or you don't. And when we don't, we empower the enemy, which has control over us. Yet God sent us on a human form to identify with the human weakness. So we have no excuse. God's Son gave His body to be the sin offering so that God could once for all condemn the guilt and the power of sin. So now, when... Not in the sweet by and by, not when you die. Now, every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life. Where? In us. And we are free to live, not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. We're free now not to live by the body because, again, how do we identify? We look in the mirror our whole life and we have identified with this body instead of being taught from the very beginning. And I'm thankful there are little bitty kids in here that are going to learn from the time that they are born that they are a spirit being that has a body and a soul and that we're going to see some awesome things start to take place from generation to generation because we are starting brand new. Those things that he mentioned earlier that God is in this place and he was hovering and he is he's starting something new, he's starting something fresh and new in him. And for some of us, we're still trying to get that mind, that Romans 12, 1, 2, 3. We're trying to renew our minds back to really the truth of who we are from the very beginning. But I'm so thankful there are some children in here. And there are, there are uh, babies in the womb right now who are hearing this message. That, that leaping around in your belly is because he's hearing the Spirit of God right now. Not because you ate something wrong. It's set you free. you got to believe it, though. got to believe it. Those who are motivated by the flesh, this body, only pursue what benefits themselves. Not the Spirit. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue, listen to this, spiritual realities. Let's just think of a few right now. Paul says in Ephesians, you have been already, past tense, blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Correct? Does he say that? Alright. What about this? Paul also says in Ephesians that you are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus at the right hand of God. Does he say that? He says that's your reality now. He didn't say that's whenever you die and go to heaven one day. He says you are seated in heaven now. That's where you are. You're a spirit being. Right? Just think about, all right, so I don't have time to really break this down, but I just want to go back and study for yourself. If you're that spirit being and you're seated in heavenly places, that means you're in two places at one time, right? You're an eternal being. It means you're in both places at the same time, right? If you don't believe that, look at Jesus' life. What did he say? John uh, 3 and Nicodemus, Right? He's looking at Nicodemus and he's telling, he's telling Nicodemus, he says, no one knows the Father except the Son which came from there and is in His presence now. Hmm. Who was the Son? Him. And He's died, rose again, and ascended to make you just like Him. As He is, so are you, the Bible says. In this world, too. It doesn't say... It doesn't say in the sweet by and by. That's what Scripture says. As He is, so are you in this world. So that means you are in both places at the same time. That's why you are a spirit being. That's why Psalms 24, you are the gateways. Right? You have some time. Go back. We've, we've studied that a long time ago. But you can go back. Go back to Jacob. Right? I'm way off what I was talking about. But go back to <laughs> Jacob. I just want you to get this. Man, if you could just get this. Like, go all the way back Old Testament. 
Jacob's ladder, remember? And he's sitting there and he sees, he sees the heavens open up and he sees um, a ladder and he sees angels ascending and descending, right? And, and then it says that this is the gateway of God. That's the gateway, right? Psalms 24 says you are the gateway. Jesus comes and he talks to Nathaniel. Remember he says, Nathaniel, I saw you sitting under the fig tree. Nathaniel's like, Phew. blows his mind. And whenever he blows his mind, he tells Nathaniel, he says, if, if you think that's awesome, he said, brother, you ain't seen nothing yet. You're going to see the Son of Man high and lifted up and the angels ascending and descending from him. What's he say? That he is that gateway. He is the house of God where the two realms intertwine and they go back and forth. Amen. And he saw it. In Acts chapter 2, the wind and the fire came. The wind and the fire came, right? In Acts chapter 2, with Pentecost, right? Go to Hebrews, and Hebrews says that angels are the messengers of God, of messengers of wind and fire. Angels ascending and descending. Means you live under open heaven now. Means you're the gateway now. You're a spirit being, right? That was a little detour for that verse. But to go back and study all that, it's good. It's really good. Go back to verse 5. Those who live by the impulse of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. All those were just spiritual realities that we just talked about. Those are just just a little bit of what he says you get to operate in now. For the sense and reason of the flesh is what? Death. Focus on the body's death. But the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan. And refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. It can't do it. Whenever you, before you were even sent to this earth, he spoke a scroll over you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. He spoke over you. What he had for your life. And then when you were housed in this body, it got toward and you, and it. And you can't see it, Right? That's why you got to be born again, he says to Nicodemus. So that you can understand spiritual realities. So you can get back to where you were supposed to be from the very beginning. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights. God's plan refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. But when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh but by the Spirit. And if you are not joined to the Spirit of the Anointed One, you are not of Him. Now, Christ lives His life where? In you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, His life-giving Spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. Yes, God raised Jesus to life. So therefore, what's He doing with you? Raising you to life. Since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, He will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. So then, beloved ones, listen to this. The flesh has no claims on us at all. That body has no claim on you at all. But we try to reason. We have no further obligation to live in obedience to this body. But instead to the spirit. For when you live controlled by the flesh, you are about to die. But if the life of the Spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, we then taste His abundant life. For the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. It ain't the spirit that you've been given. Religious duty. That just says, let's just go to church. Let's just do the same old routine. Leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. Because we strive and we strive and we try to do things. We try to do right, try to do right, right? I live my whole life like that. Trying to do more, trying to do more, trying to do more, trying to do more, trying to do more. And there wasn't probably a ministry that I wasn't a part of. I'm sure they found a way to make you come to the women's thing somehow. Well, you just played guitar for it. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as He rises up within us, 
our spheres join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, You are God's beloved child. Since we are his true children, you are that beloved child, we qualify to share all his treasures, for indeed we are heirs of God himself. Everything that he has, even right now where he is seated at the right hand of the Father, is ours. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is, all that he has, and we will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. His sufferings... We just say we already suffered all those two. Everything. I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. The entire, listen to this, and this is my passage right here. This is my passion. This is where the fire starts just lighting up on the inside with me. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. The earth is on tiptoe. It's groaning. It's yearning. It's groaning. The entire earth. That means even the trees out there. Everything. All humanity. All animals. Every living thing is screaming. And yearning for the sons and the daughters of God to rise up and to take their place. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. That's what you see. Where there's death, it's the consequences of death. But now, not sweet bye-bye, but now with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. To rise up. To take its place. It didn't say he's waiting for him to split the eastern sky to get rid of the Democrats to shoot down the Chinese balloon and call us all home. That is not what he said. <laughs> to this day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were in the con contractions of labor for childbirth. You ever been around some people that just want to argue lately? Or they get upset? Work in a public place. Work in a school setting. How about that? And deal with some parents. And the kids. And the little whirlings. <laughs> Amen, Saber. <laughs> <laughs> deal with it. And you would see that there is some groaning going on. And they think it's a root of something else. And they think their problem is with you. And they think their problem is with the teacher. And they think their problem is with everything else except for themselves. When really the root is, is they're groaning for the sons of God to take their place. That's what the groaning looks like. The groaning does not look like, hey, will you come tell me about Jesus? Groanings are the crying of freedom. Because he come to set the captives free. And until you know you're free, free indeed, you're not going to be able to help them be free also. To this day, we're aware of the universal agony grown in creation and the contractions of labor for childbirth. It's not just creation. We, who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit, also inwardly grown as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies to be transformed. Including. I didn't put that in there. For this is the hope of our salvation. But hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen. For why would we need to hope for something we already have? So because our hope is set on what is yet to be seen, patiently keep on waiting for its fulfillment. 
Notice it didn't say you're waiting to get it. It's waiting to be seen. Manifest. You got it. It's in you. It's available. And believed enough. Patiently waiting for its fulfillment. Let's close your eyes for a minute. Some of my favorite books, movies. Lord of the Rings. Towards the end, I just want to read this quote. It's like the great stories, Mr. Frodo. If you never watched or read Lord of the Rings, going through some epic battles where it looked like darkness would rule forever and you couldn't see how the earth would look any different. In fact, it looked so bad, destroyed, and dark. And he says, it's like the great stories, Mr. Frodo. The ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. How could the world go back to the way it was when so much had happened? But in the end... It's only a passing thing, the shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come, and when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer, Mr. Frodo. See, we know the end. We know there's going to be a generation that's finally going to wake up and take their place. We know that. The question is, will you be that generation? We're reminded in the New Testament that we can even speed or hurry up the day of His approaching. Uh, If you can speed it up, then therefore you can surely slow it down. Same old, same old. It's not going to speed it up. You keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results is the definition of insanity. And I believe in here today that the Holy Spirit has been intertwined with the Word of God going forth. That as the words come out of my mouth, that the Holy Spirit went forth with those words and it is a waking, a tuning fork on the inside of everyone in this room to truth of who He really is and who you really are. Now we had the opportunity this week to go pray with a couple. A lady that was needing a touch from God for healing. Bill said before we got there, he said, I believe somebody's going to see something. It's going to have a word. Well, I saw something, and I almost didn't release it, but because he said, you're going to see it, so release it. I almost didn't release it because what I saw had nothing to do in my, my head, my humanistic mindset. It had nothing to do with like healing. Like, I was expecting to see a body part changing in my mind. I was expecting to see all these, like, medicines or something shifting on the inside of her body. Instead, what I saw was her falling in love with the Lion of Judah and rising up and exchanging her heavy garments for a light garment.
that moment forward, she's going to experience him like never before. Also, I believe she's going to be healed. I believe she already is. See, you're going to need to move in that kind of atmosphere over the next decade. Twenty to twenty twenty nine is supposed to be the years of rest, where we learn who we are and come into a position of resting in Him, so that we can move forward in victory. There's going to be all kinds of things to distract you: government, weather balloons. Be all kinds of things to take your mind off of the supernatural. I told you that story because supernatural wanted to do something different than what I had in my mind. Wanted to release something into the atmosphere. I know we want her healed. I know that from scripture. I didn't have to pray and say, let me let me hear and see if you do want her healed or not. Is it your will or is it not your will? I didn't guess that. I look at the life of Jesus and I know he wants all people to be healed. I know by scripture that by strikes we are healed. I know scripture after scripture that will confirm. I don't have to. It's not a guessing game. But he's wanting you to move in supernatural power. There's people in this room, you're going to begin to get words from people that only the Spirit of God would know. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit. Searching the deep things of the heart of God, it says, and He's going to reveal them to you. So that you can be the hands and feet. More than just the flesh. One of the awesome things in this group right here is last year we gave over $100,000 out to the community and worldwide. Just this little group. supernatural resources that got to people they want to move beyond just money it's wanting to move you to a place of supernatural where you move with Holy Spirit and fire to carry an anointing everywhere you go going to ask you to stand. just want you to raise your hands receiving what the Father has for you today. I just want to speak over you. Just open up your arms as a place of yielding, believing everything that He says you are. Father, I thank you in this room that you are speaking a better word that your blood speaks a better word I thank you that we are seated in heavenly places with you that we are at the right hand of the Father with you we thank you God that you are revealing truth to us we thank you that the Holy Spirit of God is searching your heart and is revealing truth to us we thank you God that there is fresh baptism a Holy Ghost and fire in this room we thank you God that you're swirling with the wind of the Spirit in this room, swirling around each and every one of us, revealing truth to us and drawing us and awakening us in this room. Thank you, Father, that you took care of the curse all the way back to the garden. That no longer am I striving by working from the sweat of my brow. supernatural resources and supernatural wisdom and understanding I'm operating at a new level
curse has been redeemed even all the way to the level that grace could experience. Childbirth without the laboring pains. I thank you in this room, Father, that you're giving out your gifts. You said you who don't know how to give, I mean, know how to give good gifts. Don't you know the Father gives more than that? Father, there is no cancer in heaven. And you can only give what you possess. Lord, for some in this room who is dealing with that cancer, we say in the name of Jesus, every knee must bow, every tongue confess. There is not a higher power than that in the name of Jesus. And we say, cancer, you must bow. We say, cancer, you are defeated. All the way down to the root. Jesus, just as you spoke to the fig tree and it withered and died, our identity is not in those fig trees where we hide behind and our identity is not found in sickness or in cancer. Our identity is found in you where you say we are the beloved in Christ Jesus and we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We are living and being nations and never have to borrow. Everything we have is blessed and everything we touch is blessed and prosperous in Jesus' name for his kingdom and his kingdom's sake. We thank you that by your stripes we have already been healed. That your blood is on the mercy seat even now and it is speaking a better word. We thank you for the praise reports that we've gotten in this room of cancer being healed. We thank you for the praise reports in this room of businesses being multiplied. We thank you for unlimited resources that have been released into this room. Thank you for, I see one, two adoptions in the room already, and I see one um, about to take place in the near future. I see babies that have been born healthy and blessed in this room. I see a generation rising up and taking their place. I see women in this room who have for so long struggled with their spouses. wondered how much longer can I do this and he says this morning I will be your husband
still moving. Feel like Holy Spirit is still wanting to touch you, want two or three together with you. Lord says two or three together in my midst there and we've also and just need to gather somebody real quick. We need to pray over something specific. Saw complete healing this week of a leg broken in two places. Doctor said complete healing. Be full of the Holy Spirit and you be blessed. Love you guys. Have a good week.